Ishveen Anad, CEO, founder of Open Sponsorship. Did I say that right, by the way? Yeah, that's right. Wow, I, I nailed it. I'm, a, I'm, I'm impressed through it right there. Well, thank you so much for taking <laughs> I know. Um, thank you so much for taking time um, to spend with me uh, today and just learn a little bit more about yourself and your business. And uh, so I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's tee it up. Um, talk about and and I guess you know you could really take it from from college and then on to where you are today um, because I think that's such a that's that's the bridge for I think a lot of people on where they want to go. What was that? So talk about you know Oxford and your time there, but what was that aha moment that you had about the industry and where you wanted to go within the industry? Yeah, so I left Oxford when I graduated. I did what most people did and followed the career paths that were set out for me, whether it was banking, accounting, law, consulting. And for me, it was consulting, management consulting. So I did that for two and a half years. And it was really, I think, recession hit in 2008. And it really occurred to me that, you know, I could be doing the same thing for a long time. Or I could take a jump in my career at that point where everyone was fairly miserable, the city was down, and I could leave and do something I wanted to do. And I genuinely thought, okay, I'll come back in like six months a year and I'll pick up the job I already had or I'll come back to this. And um, when I moved to India to become a sports agent at that point and realized that this wasn't just like a phase and it was actually a career I wanted to pursue. It was, it was amazing. I was like, wow, I didn't actually realize like people could do jobs like being a sports agent um, with my background. And I think that was a really special moment realizing that this was something I wanted to pursue properly. And it wasn't just like a, 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 you know, gap year kind of thing. So what was that? How did you bridge it? I mean, did you meet somebody who, or is it a business? Did you seek them as far as getting involved as being an agent or how did that work? Yeah, so I was I was lucky that I, when I made the decision that I wanted to work in sports, well, I, I mean, I did, I sent emails that were unanswered. I, I must have applied to jobs that I didn't get. I can't really remember right now, but I started talking to people saying, you know, I really wanted to work in sports. And it just so happened that this one guy I knew, knew someone in India, and he was like, well, that might be an interesting opportunity. So I sent my resume and um, got got this job. So I think I was quite lucky to get it, but it just shows that you know, if you there's always someone who's ready to give you that chance what do you what would you say you know if you had to give yourself advice now back then what would you what would you have tell yourself and like here's some of the skill sets that you should have had or that would have helped you move along the process a little bit quicker yeah i think i was pretty close-minded um yeah. as to what careers i could have gone into and it's not a bad thing i do not regret at all like I wouldn't be who I am today if I hadn't had those two and a half years experience in like a big com a bigger company with yeah. you know, someone who trained me in how to write a good email, how to do PowerPoint, how to use Excel. I would never change that. And I, I actually tell yeah. people like, don't follow your passion too soon. Um, yeah. Get get that real world experience. Um, get yeah. get that corporate experience. But I think what I would have probably should have done is I should have known that there was a company called the IMG 
that existed yeah. when I was 18. Like, I just didn't know about that world um, because, you know, I thought I was going to go into investment banking or consulting and I didn't, I didn't even explore these other opportunities. So uh, I suppose if you, if you realize that, like, yeah, I think people today are a bit more savvy, like, you know, you could work for a sports team, you could work for these guys, start building up your network, but, but don't, just run into like ticket sales because it's in sports. If you if you can and you have the ability, go work for an Ernst and Young or a bank just to get some of that experience before moving into the sports world. Yeah, I agree. I just had this conversation the other day. How valuable not only just real practical experiences and it's transitional uh, and transferable yeah. over to um, and working for a corporate structure is exactly right. It's just that it's, you just get structure, you get a process, yeah. you know, jumping out as an entrepreneur, people think it's, it's so sexy right now, but it's hard and it's scary, yeah. you know? And anyway, so, um, so the, you, you talked about IMG. I think a lot of kids and young professionals, even just the general population out there, you might be selling cars for five years, but everybody automatically thinks that they should be working for a team or a league because they, they, that's all they know. You know. They don't understand the power of agencies behind that. You know, the, there's a whole second industry within the sports industry that is massive. And um, so anyways, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. So. So you're over in India. What what sports you and what are you what are you representing over there? Um, mostly cricket because that's what's big there. I did a bit of working yeah. golf and field hockey, um, mm -hmm. but the, the biggest chunk of my work was in cricket. Mm -hmm. Were you on the were you on the management side or were you more on the sponsorship? Let me see, you know, what brands I can line up with these athletes. Yeah, so I was mostly on the, we sat in the middle, so we would do the deals and then also help execute them. And um, we did it for teams, leagues, as well as athletes. Gotcha. And then what was yeah. that moment when you were over in India and you said, I just, I got to come to the States and do it over here. I've conquered India now. Now I want to conquer the United States. How was yeah. That? yeah, you know, it was actually I moved back to England in between, which is, you know, I was born and brought up in England. And it was actually because um, I don't know if you've worked with any people from India, but your professionalism takes a massive hit, you know, like being late is just normal. Mm -hmm. And so I had this realization that I wanted to get back to being a bit more professional and I should move mm -hmm. back to England to do it. Moving to the U.S. was completely by chance. I, you know, I actually... Um, kind of cliche but I met my husband and I moved over to America for him he's born and brought up in New York and mm -hmm. I was a bit clueless like I didn't realize that the sports world was so different so you know when I got married mm -hmm. to him I was like yeah I'll carry on doing what I'm doing and then I got here and I was like wow like you guys don't know cricket you know you don't know field hockey or you don't know it as oh, I know right. it and I, I don't know what American football is we you know football for us is something different so it was a bit of a culture shock um when I moved across and that's what actually ultimately led to open sponsorship because that was my second aha moment when I realized that if you are not in the sponsorship world or the sports world it doesn't matter your skill set or your aptitude or anything else like you're not going to get deals done like athletes are inaccessible people don't answer their phone and so it really made me realize like why is there not like an Airbnb or an Uber or Match.com for our industry Mm -hmm. It's brilliant. You know, I it just, it's brilliant. I took a look at the site and you hit everything. You're spot on because I've been on both sides of that table 
and you provide it's it's that's the one piece i think this is the vehicle that's missing and it seems to me and i wanted to let you talk and i apologize for talking about this but i'm excited about it because it makes so much sense because there's so many kind of those b minus c level brands that are just up and coming and starting and they don't know how to get to the brand the property the the or the property the athlete the team without some assistance or paying a lot of money to do that and the athletes, there's not always, there's those B-level, C-level practice squad guys that aren't general that need to be connected, but no one's interested in them, or they may seem that, or their agent doesn't want to spend the time on that because there's no return from that. Um, so am I headed in the right direction with this? But I'm going to let you talk about it. So Yeah, no, no listen, 100%. Um, when yeah. we started open sponsorship, the vision was like, there should be one place that anyone can go to to find yeah. what's available. Right? Like that's it. Like, you know, if you ask me what we're creating, we're creating the largest, most transparent marketplace of sports sponsorship because there's the same way that you can hire people through an open marketplace like a LinkedIn or the same way that you can, you know, book a flight on kayak or book a taxi on Uber. Why can you not find out what's available in our world in sports sponsorship online? And so that's what we're creating. But what we, once we started, what we realized is that the, the level of need for our service among the athletes and the agencies is huge because as you said, these guys spend all their time representing their one big guy and they don't give any love to their 95 other percent of athletes maybe they help them with their contracts of course and that one nike deal but you know i don't blame them like if i was an agent and i had like 20 guys on my roster i'm going to spend all my time on well, the majority of my time on my big guy as well right like right. you know the other guys i'll keep them happy in the most simple way i can so what have you found from brands, are they having better luck now with are, with matching up to properties and teams or with athletes? So we, we're focused on the athletes um, over okay. teams and events. And the reason being is because for teams, the price point's a bit high, right? So yeah. minimum $100,000 spend to work with any team. And that kind of pro transaction is not happening as easily on a website. So a good analogy for that is when, you know, when first these websites like TripAdvisor came out, you weren't booking, the people, the first users weren't booking a penthouse in Vegas for, you know, $1,000 a night on it. They were booking, you know, the, the $100 hotel rooms. Right. And then mm -hmm. over time, as you build loyalty and trust and supply base and all of that stuff, then you get to the bigger things. So for us, we're still working in that like one to five thousand dollar range or even lower. So mm -hmm. we're not really catered to these big deals like these hundred thousand dollar deals. We're we're working with brands who want to spend a few hundred dollars, a few thousand dollars and get good value. And that's mostly happening with athletes. So mm -hmm. the business model works for teams, it's just the price point of the buyers has to has to go up, which will come over time. Are you have have any of the properties reached out to you, like the properties meaning the grassroots properties, so you know, these massive volleyball tournaments and these massive basketball and soccer tournaments um, run by club and, and promoters who are always struggling to find sponsors. And, you know, there's such a big market out there for these these guys who have these, you know, they have these national grassroots tournaments that have between 50 to 100,000, you know, sometimes kids, if you have brands are looking for that demographic, um, have have they shown any interest in this at all yet? 
Yeah, we have quite a few events that we, we'd call those events. And um, we definitely mm-hmm. have quite a few. Um, some like basketball camps, some some that are athlete managed, some otherwise a ton of like gotcha. uh, local ATP tours and things like that. I would gotcha. say um, it's it's less of a quick transactional sell. So gotcha. there's a difficulty. You know, the typical conversation always there has been, hey, um, what have you got to offer? And then they'll turn around and say, okay, well, what does the brand have to spend? And the brand would say, well, what do you have to offer? Then I can define budget. And so in a, in a, in a way, we almost need to kind of make that very transactional, like, hey, this is what your defined offering is. This is the price. And then a brand can quickly say yes and no. And so there's still a little bit of work to be done there. But yeah, we definitely have quite a few of those opportunities on our site. So how do you... Is this is this kind of the, the concept that just seems to me from a pure business standpoint, there seems like there's so many different verticals that could kind of come off of this because the concept is great is matching. It's just matching brands and people together. Um, is that I, I'm sure you're so focused on this right now, but I'm an entrepreneur, too. So, you know, is yeah. that something that's part of your long term plan. So for us, it's about matching brands to schools. Um, we, uh-huh. everyone in our team believes in sports as the vehicle, uh-huh. right? So um, whether you are a brand and you want to work with a local athlete, a major athlete, an event, like you said, like a, a huge basketball camp, a team, uh-huh. a league, international, global, regional, local, uh-huh. whatever it may be. We believe that sports has traditionally been reserved as a marketing tool for the biggest brands, your JP Morgan Chases, Verizons, Pepsi's, Cokes. Uh-huh. We want everyone, big and small, to use sports. And traditionally, sports, small companies have not used sports because it's been too complicated, too expensive, just, you know, it's not been accessible. And so that's our thing, which is sports. When we've conquered sports, and sports makes up 70% of sponsorship. So really, like, we have a long way, a long way to go in sports. After sports, yes, we'll think about music or TV or whatever else. But really, I mean, we have so much work to do in sports, so that is our focus. So you said something to me before about when you first came over here, there was definitely like a shock of, wow, this is, it's almost like this little bubble in the United States. And in majority of my career, I did global. Uh, not only did I live in England and played American football in England, but I, I, I worked for the NFL on an international level. And I just saw that how sophisticated, which, which surprised me was the ver- reverse engineer, what you said. Was I was surprised how sophisticated the rest of the world was with sports sponsorship and hospitality. It almost seemed like they were 10 years ahead. (laughs) I'm going to use that. (laughs) Please do. I buy absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, not only does England get the first crack at all the U.S. music (laughs) that came over here, but it was, Mm. I think it was, I don't, there was more of a sophistication to it, I thought. And it was less of a good old boy. That's how I kind of felt like it was to me. And even as I matured as a business um, professional and dealing with, you know, FIBAs and some of the national governing bodies. And um, it just felt different to me um, and, and how they approach sponsorship. So anyways. I think um, the leagues are less powerful there. And so mm-hmm. you see a lot more activity and a lot more innovation by the team. Mm-hmm. So what was surprising to me was 
over in the rest of the world, your governing bodies are very powerful, but they obviously mm-hmm. don't control everything. So, you know, think about mm-hmm. FIFA, FA, the International mm-hmm. Cricket Council, the International Hockey Federation, and then on a local level, so like BCCI for in the Cricket Board of India or whatever it may be. And so... Mm-hmm. Because the leagues are powerful and then they give a lot to the teams and then the teams will do a lot to innovate. Here, your NBA, your NHL, NFL are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like most people don't even realize that, you know, the NBA is not the U.S. governing body of basketball. Right. That's like, I think you said, but no one knows about them. And so the NBA is a, a profitable business that is run very well but as a league. And so as I think what happens is maybe you get less innovation at the team level because so much is governed by the league. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, what happens in, think about uh, football, Manchester United are light years ahead of everyone else in terms mm-hmm. of sponsorship and that made Manchester City catch up Chelsea Arsenal and everyone else so one team could really drive that whereas mm-hmm. here you don't really have that like not no one team is like super doing something amazing because the NBA is so powerful and the NBA is doing awesome stuff but you're not seeing it on you know you're not seeing it for every team and every level it's true I mean the Dallas Cowboys Jerry Jones would would argue that point <laughs> but but I, I, I know where you're headed with that, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Do you feel, from your perspective, and I know over you know, in England, the one thing I felt like, once you cut out that, that college level on how important college athletics and big of a business and industry it is here in the United States, do you feel yeah. that adds a little bit more to the uniqueness of, say, I always say that like a man, like a man, you was if you blended Penn State and Michigan and you put all those together on top of the Cowboys and the Yankees, that's man, you, and and it's the the passion because there isn't a college that would yeah. that take that attention away from that one team. Is that yeah, am I heading in the right direction? I think, I, okay. Yeah, I think I think um, the college system here is amazing. I also think um, the the fantasy aspect here is like nothing I've seen anywhere else um you know obviously there is like a lot of drafts and betting that goes on in England but not to the passion level here I think the fantasy aspect of the sport has really driven viewership and passion and I think that is uh, like unparalleled anywhere else in the world oh they are some gambling fools in England that's for sure Ah. (laughs) (laughs) all right so your perspective on esports I, I just think it's – I know I'm kind of – this wasn't really what our call was going to be about, but you're so yeah. interesting to talk to because you give such a different perspective. What's, what's, your, what's your take on it? Um, it's obviously huge. You can't deny that. I do not yeah. think it will become um, mainstream for people mm. 30, like, non-millennials. I think mm-hmm. it will be just something that a lot of people don't – get um because it is so different but that's fine because think about like a a ton of the population doesn't watch golf right and golf is huge but how many people watch golf right like a lot of people don't so what i would say is that um initially i like i felt like everyone has to watch esports and everyone should know about it and you know esports has now been around in the in a mainstream way for about two years and i wouldn't necessarily say it's got bigger in mainstream ways. I think it's getting 
to like bigger followings and its following is is key but i would not necessarily say that it's it's gonna take over as like the next nfl anytime soon i mean that might be controversial but that, that i i feel like in the last two years that i've known about esports it's not been much more it's not not grown exponentially in the mainstream arena that i operate in yeah so you don't, you're not seeing brands aren't asking you about esports right now. They, you know, they are, but it's also more like a, I know I should do this, I should yeah. do this because it's hot, rather than like every one of my customers is being influenced by esports and therefore like I'm missing out. It's more like I get the need to do this. Um, drone racing. I do think it's going to become big. Like you see, VR is big, and so look, I'm not denying like esports is 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 huge. It's but I do believe it's like it's just not for everyone. It lives it in its own world. There are a lot of people who just will not convert to that side. I, I get it. I'm glad you know, you said this because I'm on the fence about it too. I'm I'm cur- I think a lot of, like a lot of people. It's Everybody said the same thing about advertising in, in digital media five years ago, four years ago. Now, you know, now it's outpacing traditional media ad spend. Yeah. But, you know, so it's like it's curious if you got your job on the line, if you're making a big bet on esports, I would sit and wait on that. But I don't know. It's just interesting. I can't follow the fighting games. And that kind of turns me off. But to sit there and watch two really good Madden players, I'd sit there. I, I'm, I'm going to admit it. I would watch it. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about. I, it's not, I sound like a 12 year old, but I, I would, <sighs> that's entertainment to me, <laughs> you know? So, so I think you, I think you would watch it. And I think that's why um, people can make investments in it. Like the sports teams, yeah. because they already have a user base to put that in front of. So yeah. are you seeking it out? Maybe not, but if you're low, if, if you're a sports team, like let's say you support the Sixers and suddenly in the Sixers stadium, they give you like a free ticket to go watch eSports to hook you in. Like you'll, you'll, you'll go watch it. So the people who are making moves in it now are the, the guys that can influence the distribution and influence that support base whereas brands are riding on the back of it once it's big so that's why i think it's like slightly slower in our world than it is in the investment world or the the team acquisition world yeah i mean it's hard to put your finger on how to monetize unless you own you know you have the eyeballs yeah. and you have the memberships but you know what's interesting is that i do know that even video games in general you know, just just FIFA. I mean, you know, kids are playing. They know all the international players, not from watching TV, but from playing a video game. That's how they know who the good yeah. and bad players are, the majority of them. And that's a beautiful and interesting thing in and of itself about, you know, creating branding and opportunities and passion for a sport through participating digitally. It, it's so... I think that part of it is going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out in the next 10 years. Anyways. Yeah, no, 100%. And I'll probably be proven wrong as well. <laughs> I know. I wasn't, yeah, it was like I'm making statements now. You're, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, not just. <laughs> but so what, what, do you, what else do you think is the next big thing out there that you have your eyeballs on? Um. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, is it is it how, how 
is it how what it, let, me, let me let me rephrase that and let me and let me ask you to us with from a delivery deliverable and activation standpoint is it yeah. still are you finding that it's still important for brands to be on-site sampling or are they still kind of stuck or trying to figure out the digital how do we engage so in social media through an athlete with our brand and try to get engagement that way like which which yeah, way do you see them going very digital because it's trackable yeah. that is the main yeah. thing and also just because a lot of the brands that are set, being set up now when we speak to them they don't have you know traditionally what would happen is you would have your brand they would spend a lot of money they would have experiential agencies on ground agencies creative agencies and all of this stuff today it's so easy to get straight connected with the content creator or you know the, the person who's going to like help you out that i don't like i was talking to a brand recently and i was saying you know oh there was this opportunity and maybe you could have someone handing out samples and they were like we are not set up to hire an agency to hand out flyers like we're a website with like 20 people and it was just a you know it's that realization that you know these brands are not set up to be even if there is value in that that's not how they operate they operate by creating a creative in-house a b testing it putting it out and seeing it like perform in 24 hours they're not like ordering merchandise for a thousand people and you know the, the old school way of marketing and so there is there is a market for that and there's so much value in that it's just the new the, the brand spending money today they're used to facebook advertising where they can log in in the morning and say like okay how did my ad perform yesterday yeah it's true it's interesting to see the whole thing sh shifting over and um you know i i definitely saw it on my side with with north american sports group you know, we were we were losing out on, on dollars because we didn't have the internal support to handle the digital piece. We could sample all day long. We just didn't do the yeah. digital piece very well until we I had a created a, a, a digital vertical within. But um, it was just interesting to see, to see how that plays out. So. All right. So final question. And this is going to be a great way to kind of bring it back around. Advice to recent graduates, soon to be graduates, someone out there who wants to get back into or wants to for the first time be in the sports industry, you as a entrepreneur and business owner, what do you look for? What are the top skill sets that you look for um, in a new hire? Is it is it more sales or more savvy from graphic design, SEO and the digital space? What what skill sets would you recommend people to really hone in on? Okay, so what I would first say is take a step back and say if you want to get back, in, if you want to work in sports, sports is huge, right? Sports is the guy selling tickets at MSG is in sports, as well as the broadcaster of Bleacher Report, as well as you know a sports agent, as, as well as someone who works for um, a VR company, right? So figure out. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be in sales? Do you want to be in marketing? Do you want to be in social media? Do you want to be in operations? Um, who do you want to work for? Like, try and really segment, like, what does that job profile look like? Because when people turn up to me and say, I want to work in sports, I'm like, we, we work in an office that we never leave. I, like, don't, you know, it's very different from the guy who's, like, like you know, sports. Yeah. Working for a team and being part of their hospitality crew is also sports. But that job looks 
like a million percent different to what I do. So it's just like it's too generic to say I want I work in sports. So you need to figure out like, okay, I want to work in this aspect of sports and then what is the skill set I already have? Like if you tell me you want to work in sales, like you better have sales experience before. If you tell me you want to work in social media, you better have a um 20,000 followers on at least on Instagram or Twitter or whatever Facebook beforehand so it's not good enough to turn up and say I want to work in sports and this without any experience in either like have proven experience in one of the like don't turn, turn to me and say like I used to be a banker for Merrill Lynch and now I want to do sales for you like what like, like where is that correlation so right. I think um, have some sort of skill set that can translate and know why you want to work for the company you're applying to. Well, great answer. Very direct. You are a true New Yorker now. I got to tell you. Uh. You're a true New Yorker. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so, so much for your time. I, you're definitely somebody that I think is going to make a big, big splash here in this industry. Um, and doing what you're doing and working in India and being, going back from Great Britain, now coming to the United States to do this. Um, boy, I tell you, I give you a lot of credit and a lot of respect for you. I really, you're definitely someone to, to watch in this industry. So thank you for your time. Uh, thank you so much for really kind words. Thank you so much. All right. Cheers. And, and you know what? Just hold on for a second. Okay. Thanks again. Yeah. Hold on.